right. Uh, feel a little bit light up here because I don't have the clicker. We're not going to have a PowerPoint this morning. There's a reason for that. The reason is I had my sermon and I had my PowerPoint all ready. And then at about 9.30, I decided to switch my sermon. I know, that sounds strange. But uh, so, so I just, I was like, eh, I, I want to do them in a different order. Uh, so, so understand the keys to this week's sermon then are this. Um, and, and you might think that I'm missing some material, uh, some obvious material by the time I get through. Uh, but there are... Uh, two categories, kind of, of what this mini-series has been, as we've been looking at getting closer to God. We've been talking about perfection. Our first two, we looked at, uh, we looked at moral perfection and we looked at spiritual perfection. And, and those were things that we said are directed kind of towards God. We're going to kind of transition in the last three of these uh, to talking about kind of our... Uh, our faith, the, 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 what we profess, and how that kind of is directed towards other people. Now, when we emphasized this uh, last week, that, that our faith and our, our moral perfection, our spiritual perfection, though it's directed towards God, it does influence other people. If we, are, if we have issues with morality, that's going to impact other people, but, but that is primarily directed towards God. The, the opposite is going to be true as well, and we'll see that. that if, if I have uh, an issue, something wrong with the way that I connect with other people, that is going to impact my relationship with God. So, so not, they're not independent, but it's just kind of a little pivot in terms of where our focus is on. So, so to, to explain what happened just a little bit, uh, this idea kind of grew and got bigger, and so it became two messages and, uh, in, my, in my brain anyway. It wasn't all on paper because then it would have been easier to pick the other one or the rest of it. Um, and uh, we're gonna, not going to be here next week. So, uh, so I had asked uh, several weeks ago, and, and so Cam is going to fill in for me, and he picked the one that's not really connected to either one of these. So I, I, was, I picked one to do today, and then if you want to hear what I was going to preach today, you've got to come back in two weeks. Don't, don't skip Cam. Uh, uh, so, uh, but but um, uh, so I'm sure he's a, a nice break from me, which... Uh, I need to do a public service announcement for that as well, because uh, one of the things that Cam, uh, when I did that, he said, you know, I've been thinking about doing this, is, is just filling in for you more frequently, even if you're around. Uh, so we're going to do that. I don't know how frequently um, he'll be up for that, but that's, but that's something that will be kind of in the works. So you'll get to hear someone more uh, regularly other than myself. So that'll be good, I'm sure. Uh, so, so I had the sermon and PowerPoint and everything set for today, and then at 9.30, uh, I decided to, to pick the other one and switch them. Uh, and uh, uh, so at 3 o'clock, I decided to not do the PowerPoint for today. Uh, that, so those are the, uh, the notes <laughs> for, for today. Um, want to look at, as we, we start talking about our relationship with other people uh, and, uh, and, and how elements of our faith are directed towards other people, we want to talk today about relational perf- perfection. And specifically what we're talking about today is, and I want to be very, very specific, because these are, they're all kind of connected in some way, but I'm looking at... Uh, 
a couple of couple of things. First of all, we're we're just looking within the group of, of Christians. That's the first thing that, that we're going to be, be looking at. But even within that, I want to narrow it down a little bit further and, and talk about how our faith how our faith is, how we express it, all those things on an individual basis. So so we're not even talking about uh, what we do wait for it, right, when we come to church, right? That's not what we're talking about today. Some of these passages might seem like that, 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 that that's kind of where they lean, but, but just bear with me. We, we're, we're, we're trying to be very specific in these different elements that are very important, uh, and it is very vital that all of these things are there, that, that we have an individual connection to other people outside of sitting next to somebody, right? Because the vast majority of the people, you're not even looking at them in the eyes. You're sitting next to them, right? So, so, so we want to emphasize this this morning. And what we're, the way we're going to do that is, is we're going to look at the book of Acts. Uh, and we're just going to go through and look at, uh, on a verse-by-verse basis, the the... Uh, not not through the whole book, but scattered around through here, the different things and the different ways that the original church were together. Uh, so we're going to begin by looking at what they did together. Let's let's start there. Uh, what they did together. So so we're just going to go through right in order, so it's nice and easy. So Acts chapter two. <clears throat> And we're going to look at some of these and kind of make some points from them as we go through. Then we're going to kind of run back through some of the same material. Not exactly, but, but some of the same material. And kind of look at a couple of different elements underneath what they're doing. So first of all, in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Now, uh, as I said, uh, we want to distill out what they did individually from what they did uh, as a group. So, for example, in verse 42, it's about what they did as a group. Uh, and, and so, uh, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And so, so that's, that's kind of a, that, that was kind of a thing that they were doing together. Right? These were all important to them together. But I want to drop down uh, and look at verse 46. Because this kind of tells us what they were doing individually. It says, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. So that was the together part of that. But they broke bread from house to house. And they ate their food with joy uh, and, and uh, gladness and uh, sincerity of heart. So, now, how many of you would like to put on company every day? That, that, that's, that's, like, that's like a big thing. We, we, uh, like that's, that's a lot. It says they were eating their, their bread from house to house, like daily. They met in the temple. How many of you would like to come to church? Every day. Go to the church building and we're going to sit there and listen to Andrew preach every day. That's a fast, I know. But uh, hosting company every day, they were doing it. That, that's incredible. I mean, it doesn't say you have to do it. But they wanted to do it. That, in other words, there was a connection there that uh, I, it seems missing. I grew up 
uh, around the corner from the preacher's house in our, our church. And, and I kind of was in their home. Uh, my mom worked. She was a single mom. So they babysat me right after school. So I, I came home. So I was in their home literally every day. Uh, and then on the weekends, they were they, like, their kids were my best buds. So I went over there on Saturday. And so I'm sure that they, if you if you don't th- if you think you don't want to come listen to me preach every day, imagine having me in your home every day. So as an annoying little kid, and they their house. So they lived. In, you have to understand. So New England homes. We had we had a three decker. Everybody had three deckers out there, right? What's a three? A three-story house, and uh, the preacher owned their house, and they basically used that as apartments for people in the church. Like, if, if someone had like difficulty financially, they kind of let them rent it, an apartment cheap. And so Christians were always in their homes all the time. If you went over to their house, someone was already in the house, and it was to the point where. We joke about this. It's in the middle of a huge city. I mean, it's not like Milwaukee, but it would be like Madison kind of city. And if you knock on their door, they wouldn't answer. Because they just kind of, it was like a thing. They, they understood that most people just knock as a courtesy, like, I'm coming in now. Right? They, they left their doors unlocked, middle of a city. And, and you just kind of like either walked in or knocked and then walked in. That was their house. That's what I grew up in, around the corner from it. it, it if you knock twice, they're like, oh, it must be like people that aren't from around here. You know, they're, they're sitting at the door outside waiting for us to open the door like normal people. Now, this was not normal people. This was, this was what the house was like. And this is kind of, I think, the idea of what the church was like. They're just like, hey, we're popping in. Like that, that's a different concept. We don't have that concept. Maybe, maybe there's a good reason for that. I don't know. But, but I want you... Not necessarily that we have to mimic that particular thing, but the idea of the closeness. The idea of the interaction that people had with one another not too long ago. And as you go back in time, you look at the original church. I, I know that's a kind of a phrase that we, we throw around, but... But when it was still fresh, when it was still new, and you see the, just the, the connection that people wanted with one another. Acts chapter 5, we're going to look at the next one. Acts chapter 5, verse 40. Uh, and I, I went through that whole thing, and, and I missed my point. What did they do together? What did they do together? When you think of being together, what's the first thing you think of? The eight. They ate together. That was the point of that first one, and I, didn't, I, I went right over it. They ate together. It, it wasn't about the worry about the hosting and all the... the it's like, what do you got? Let's see. That's what we like to do when we're together. If you're getting together, you're talking about where you're going to eat. Just, there's something about it. I don't know. So, so now let's move on to the second one, now that I've made my point. Uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 40. Acts 5 and verse 40. And also verse 41. Uh, Acts 5, 40 and 41 here. This is... Oh, there we go. They called in the apostles and they had them flogged. This is not to say that they, when they got together they were beaten. Uh, 
We're not going to mimic that. Uh, but it says, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and, uh, and released them. When they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of his name. Now, now this is what I want you to look at. They celebrated together. Not, not just, they, were, they just left. This is all informal. They didn't have a huge church service to, to do this. But they just celebrated together. Now, that was, it's kind of weird what they were celebrating. When we think of celebrating, it's like, oh, hey, graduations and birthdays and a wedding. And we got an anniversary. And we, got we like to celebrate those kind of things. And they're like, yeah, we just, got, uh, we just got arrested. Let's celebrate. That's kind of weird. Uh, and maybe there's a good reason why they did that. And, and, and maybe we should think about that, <laughs> given the state of the world. I don't know. If, we'll, if we'll, things will come to that again. But it's important that they celebrated together. They found something positive. And, 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 you know, when something great happens to you or when something notable, a victory. See, they celebrated this because it was a victory. That's why. Not because they were excited about being arrested or being threatened. It was a victory. They had done something and accomplished something, and it had taken guts for them to do this. And it's important for us to celebrate together. When when something happens momentous, I'm not talking about, it's the first thing you think of. I want to call up somebody and talk about this awesome thing that just happened. Here's something spiritual that happened. I just want to let people know. I mean, you do that with Facebook, a lot of people do that, or, or whatever. But is that the first thing you think of? It should be. They, they're, they're leaving somewhere, and the first thing they think of is, let's get together and celebrate this milestone, this, this momentous thing that happened. So they celebrate it together. That's the second one. Uh, third one, Acts chapter 6, one chapter over. <clears throat> Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. This is something again, and it might look like this is a group thing, but I want to. We're going to illustrate that this is not a church thing. In those days, at this, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebrew Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, "It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word to wait on the tables." So, brothers and sisters. Select from yourself seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, who we can appoint for this duty. Now, this is important. This was not happening at church. This was widows who needed to take care of. They needed food, they needed clothing, they needed stuff. Now, a lot of the times that we look at this, we think, all right, this is where they decided they have an issue to be uh, taken care of, so they set aside deacons. That's partially true to take care of this. But it says that the women were being overlooked, that certain, a certain group of women were being overlooked in the distribution. That means there was already a distribution in place. It's not formal yet. It's not official yet. The apostles haven't made the decree yet. But someone, somewhere, has already decided to start doing this. 
It wasn't official yet. It wasn't a church function. It wasn't done at, at the church building or whatever. Just I suppose that, that there was a need and some people started saying, we've got to do something for other people. And so service is a thing that God expects on an individual level. Beyond the elders having to say, okay, we need a person this time, this date to do this thing. It's important for us to be involved and say, hey, this person needs something. I, I, I can do. I don't need an elder's approval to go do a service for another Christian. We, we can just do that. Not everything has to come down from a papal decree. We can just do stuff for each other. Isn't that great? That's not one. Some of these we're going to come back to. Spoiler alert. Uh, Acts chapter 9. We're going to skip a few chapters ahead. Acts chapter 9 and verse 36. In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. Her is translated as Dorcas. She was always doing good works and acts of charity. This is kind of along the same, the same lines. Uh, but be, beyond uh, service, I, I doubt that she exclusively did this for Christians. I know we're talking specifically about Christians in relation. I, I guess that she was probably just well known in the whole community for doing this for everybody. Right? The Bible says, listen, as you have an opportunity, do good for all, especially the household of faith. So I just kind of want to look at this from the, the church aspect. But benevolence is important. Whatever it looks like, whether it looks like physical service like we talked about, um, or whether it is a, a mercy that you show in terms of your time, in terms of whatever it is, there are some that de-emphasize this aspect of our faith. They won't eliminate it. You say, who would do that? Well, they say, we don't want the church to become a charity organization. Like, that's demeaning the spiritual aspect of things. And you can hear that sometimes. I don't know how many people, but there are some people that do, and I've heard it. That's lowering it. Well, read the rest of the story. Read the rest of the story and see the impact. That, and that, that goes into, we're, I'm going to get into Cam sermon if I go down that road. So I'm not. I'm not pull myself back. Um, <clears throat> so it just kind of emphasizes that previous point. Service and benevolence. Uh, Acts chapter 12. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. <clears throat> And then we're going to skip a little bit later into the story. I'm not going to read the whole story. Again, this is another one of those uh, people being persecuted and, and, and arrested and sort of going on. This is, now this is Peter. So Acts 12, verse 5 says, Peter was kept in prison. And the church was praying fervently to God for him. Now we have to understand that James has just been killed, the first martyr in this chapter. Now that's James... The son of Zebedee, so John's brother, has just been killed. They're arresting Peter, and Herod is thinking about doing the same thing since it was so popular. Wait, I got some attention for this. So, people are concerned, rightly so. 
now let's look at verse. Uh, now he now they get together. The, the, like he gets let out, but there's a detail about how he gets let out. Verse eleven. Peter came to himself. He's been let out, and he's like, "Oh, I'm in the street." Uh, and so he says, "Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent His angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp, and from all the Jewish people were expecting." And as soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. It's a little bit more that Peter didn't know about. <laughs> they were praying together. Need to make and stop and make some points here. This wasn't a church service. It's nighttime, right? It was, it was like late night, informal, at somebody's house. A bunch of people got together and prayed. And there were women there. The women prayed in front of the men. You can do that. It's okay. <clears throat> Praying together. Not just uh, we're going to open up the service with prayer. How often do we get together and pray? It's missing. It's missing. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. This is the last one. and We're going to run back through them pretty quick. We won't cover all of them. Acts 16, verse 24 and 25. We're in prison again. Sorry, it wasn't intended. It's like, uh, Acts 16, 24 and 25. Uh, so he put them in prison and secured their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. We already covered that one. And singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. So they put on a little concert. I don't know how good it sounded. I put on a little concert. They sang together. No church service. You're in prison. <coughs> Nothing official going on. No, like, uh, okay, we're going to sing the first, third, and the fifth stanzas, and uh, whatever. <laughs> okay, stand up. No, there was no standing, Travis. They, they didn't stand for any of them. They were in stocks. I'm just kidding you. Uh, We, a few years ago, we were in, on vacation in Minnesota, and, uh, and uh, uh, speaking of Travis, a friend of mine, Travis, the church there has like a bunch of people that we went to college with. And, and so, so we got invited over to, to one of their houses. Uh, Travis and Anna uh, had us over to their house, and we got over there. There's a bunch of people there. They invited like a bunch of people from the church for a New Year's party. And at some point, uh, I forget what, they, they had a piano. They just passed out a bunch of songbooks. And there's like, I can't remember how many people, there was like 30 people there. They said, we're going to go around and everyone's going to pick out their favorite song. That was what we did New Year's Eve. We just went around and sung. Okay, this is my favorite song. And it was awesome. It was great. And then we left full. They sang together. 
I'm not talking about turning on your radio in your car when you're driving down the road. That, that's, that's, that's all right, too. I'm listen to Caleb and do this. But how often, outside of a church service, do we sing together? None, ever, never. We don't. And they did. Look at, look at Colossians. Look at Ephesians. Those are verses that talk about the, the whole chapter are not about what you do in church. The whole chapter, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the whole chapter is about what they just did with one another in, in life. And part of that was singing. They got together and sang. That was just the thing they did. It was a part of life. Now, let's go back through just a couple. Because it's not just important what they did when they were together. I want to back up to Acts chapter 2. We're just going to look at two verses in Acts chapter 2 uh, in terms of to look at just a couple of things that underlie. Because we would see these similar things throughout the other examples. So in Acts chapter 2, I want to look at verse 44 that we read. Uh, where are we at here? Okay. Now, the believers were together and had all things in common. Now, this is talking about their giving, and they were, uh, you know, again, this wasn't a church service giving. This was individual giving. They were sacrificing and, and selling stuff and, and whatnot. All right, and we're going to come to that in just a second in greater detail. But, uh, but I like the way this is described here is it says that they were together. It doesn't say that they got together or that they assembled together. Just their general state of existence as Christians, they were together. But they weren't always in church. They weren't always at the assembly. They weren't always at the temple. They were still together. We have a phrase, we're on the same page. Oh, like, like phrases like that. This just was an identifier of their general character as Christians. We're together. We're connected. That's who they were. It's not what they did. It's who they were. So so we can do all these individual things, but it went much deeper. It went down into a character that they had in the same chapter, verse 46. I want to look at... And it says, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in temple. We read that. And broke bread from house to house. And we talked about how they ate once I got around to my point. But it's not that they ate together. That's not the important thing. Uh, Benjamin, come, he was working at Texas Roadhouse. I'm gonna, it just popped into my head. And he was talking about how uh, one, one night like, there was like two or three fights that broke out at Texas Roadhouse. It's like... So you spent that much money on a meal and you fought together? That's like, that seems like a big waste of money to me. Especially to eat food with that much salt in it. But, um, but to, to, to spend that kind of money and to go out and fight in a restaurant. It's not that they ate together. You could eat together, but how did they eat together? It says, with simplicity. It wasn't like, oh, we've got to worry about the event. Like, 
they just got together. What do you got? Oh, that's just good. All right, let's, let's see. But let, let's just, it's informal, simplicity, informal. We just got together. It's great. And with gladness of heart, no fighting. They just wanted to be together. They just, they wanted to enjoy time together. Food was just the excuse. Food was just the excuse to have a good time together on an individual basis outside of the assembly. But I want to look at another aspect of this as we talk about going on to perfection. When we say going on to perfection in something, we're saying we're not perfect. You can't talk about perfecting something unless you recognize that something is lacking. That that's implied in that statement. There are a lot of ways that we could get into any one of these. We could broaden out any area that we've talked about and go much, much, much deeper. But I just want to look at a couple of enemies of our relationships. In Acts chapter 5, I'm going to look at Acts 5 and Acts 6 just very briefly. I already kind of summarized some of these, so, so I'm not going to go through. Acts 5 is not about tithing, by the way. Uh, Acts 5, 1 through 4, we talked about giving. And, and sometimes this is thought of as something that was a part of the church service. But in Acts 5, beginning of 1, it says, A man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge, and brought a portion of it, laid it at their feet. Ananias, Peter said, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you owned it? And after it was sold, wasn't it still at your disposal? Why did you plan this thing in your heart? You've not lied to people, but to God. So when he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and great fear came on all who heard. Yeah, you think? <laughs> People dropping dead around this guy. I'd be afraid too. But I want you to notice something. There's a couple of things that are are quite important here. It's not what was done. A lot of times this is used to talk about giving. There are good things to learn from giving. This was not a tithe or whatever. This was people individually just decided outside of the church service to sell what they had because there was a specific need. We could go into the specific need, but I'm not going to. There was a big need, and people just decided, I'm going to sell property. Barnabas sold everything that he had and gave everything he had. And I'm sure that was kind of like a, that was like, if there was an award handed out, eh, Barnabas got it. You know? That's a big deal. Well, Ananias and Spire had a property too. And, uh, they sold it and said, they, they kind of commander, they wanted to keep some of it. I don't know if it was greed. Greed might be a strong, because if you sell a sizable portion of, or, or give a sizable portion of your proceeds from a house sale, to, that, that's a big deal. It would be hard for me to classify you as greedy. So, and it had to be sizable enough that they thought it was going to be like, Plausible that this was a sum of it was like we sold the house and here's ten dollars and it's everything we have. <laughs> it's like I don't think so. It was a sizable amount to be plausible that this was the whole thing. And uh, so, so I don't think they were necessarily greedy, but I think it was was they didn't want to let go of all of it, but they thought 
We don't want to be the people in church who only gave 70%. We're sitting there next to Barnabas. You know, we don't want to be the, oh, there go Ananias and Sapphira. Who gave 70? That's going to look bad. And so, so they got these different things going on. Uh, and, and, and so they have this motive of, this motive of, of somewhere of pride, of, of some way, and this uh, impacts. Um, the church and, and the consequences of it impact the church in fact if you look down later it says that, that the apostles from this point on were held in high regard but no one would join themselves to them verse 12 and 13 like it, it, it impacted because they had to punish this it impacted the deep individual outside of the church building relationships that the apostles had with them now how sad because of what Ananias and Sapphira did this is an enemy of relationships, pride. And I want to look in Acts chapter 6. We're almost done here. Acts chapter 6, I want to look at two destructive actions. We have a motive and we have two destructive actions. We, we looked at this in a positive light, but this one verse, I want to read it again. It says, In those days the disciples were increasing in number, and there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the, the Hebrew Jews, that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. We talked about there was already a daily distribution. And so what was happening was, there's a lot of, from the day of Pentecost, there's still a lot of visitors that have stayed on to listen to the apostles. That's the situation, in a nutshell. And it's placing a financial burden on them because they don't have jobs. And so a lot of these are widows. And, and, and so they said... Someone somewhere decided we've got to take care of the widows. And so you have, like, these, the, there's the ones that are from outside, the, the Grecian ones. They, they might be from Alexandria, or they might be from, I know that's Egypt, but there were a lot of Greeks there. Uh, they, they, they might be from Athens, or they might be from some of these places. And then there were the Jerusalem Jewesses. Well, you could, well, we're better because we're from Jerusalem. And we're better because we're more philosophical. You can see rivalry begins. Rivalry starts. Rivalry is an enemy of close relationships because it starts to emphasize self. It emphasizes me and you're not as important. And I'm going to look at why I'm important and why I should have food first I mean, we lived here first, and our husbands are having to work harder to support your wife. You can just see oh, you know, our, our whatever. I mean, they're widows, so they didn't have husbands. But you can see the, all the justifications of how this would, we're better. That's the first thing that happens. The second thing that happens is this. Someone shows preference. Someone who was involved in the distribution, who probably started this or organized this, with good intentions, gets involved in the preferences and starts to buy into this. Guess what? Guess who's got home field advantage? The women in Jerusalem. Like, yeah, I guess, you know, that's a good point. And so preferences, or partiality, if you want to call it that, damages our close relationships. We need to be together in simplicity of heart, without all these motives, without all these things, it's not just important that we get together. 
There's two things. We want to move on to perfection. We've got to do so. We've got a lot of room for improvement. I think if there's a takeaway from today, we've got a lot of room for improvement. Guess what? That's the story of perfection. (laughs) Pick a topic. I've got room for improvement. I'm human. As a church, we have a lot that we could get back to. And, And start looking at, you know what? Maybe we need to get back to the place where you just... Come over, unannounced. Don't do that. Announce. It's pretty easy to text. But just like, we don't have to plan four weeks in advance. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm free. Come on up. Like, like, maybe we should do that. There's a lot of things we can do, but, but as we do... Let us not forget that all of that is going to be for nothing if we don't have the right motives and if we don't do it in the right way. Having the right motives is going to do nothing if we don't do the things, right? Oh, I have simplicity of heart, yeah, but I never see you. Then we're not really accomplishing anything. Both have to be present. We have a lot of room for improvement, but I don't think it's that hard. I think we just kind of have to tap into the desire that people had for one another. And it really is simple. That's the great thing about simplicity. It really is that simple. Let's stand and sing together.